Hello everyone, welcome to the Lifestyles Medicine Podcast. Today we continue our coverage of the first Canadian plant-based nutrition conference, which took place on June 1, 2019 at the Mission Institute of Education in Toronto, Canada. In this particular episode, you will be hearing from Dr. Shane Williams. Dr. Williams is a medical doctor. He completed a three-year cardiology subspecialty fellowship at McMaster University and opened a private practice in Muskoka. His practice was very conventional, but this would all change after he read the book, The China Study by Dr. T. Colin Campbell and Tom Campbell. Since then, he has been on a personal journey towards plant-based nutrition and has been incorporating plant-based nutrition into his practice. In this episode, we will bring you part one of his talk, where he argues powerfully for plant-based nutrition in addressing cardiovascular concerns. He hits on topics such as red meat and ketogenic diets. We hope that you are blessed by his talk today. So I'm a community cardiologist uh, working in Bracebridge uh, and a Newfoundlander, so that alone is a risk factor for cardiac disease. (laughs) And in my training in cardiology, what we've always been taught and always been touted in cardiology is look how great cardiology is with the risk factors identified in the 60s and all these various interventions, the intervention, the the, uh, development of the defibrillator, how we can save people. And of course, the the, uh, public health people say, oh, hold on now, it's actually more of our big steps in reduction in cardiovascular mortality come from people being better educated. I believe more in the latter, but of course, since I've been programmed to think this, as a cardiologist, uh, there is a certain amount of, uh, uh, you know, discovering that you're own area is particularly biased. So what we have though, talk about elephants in the room, is despite all our fancy stents and devices and cardiology's very big bill on our tax system, we had this very uncomfortable reality that even when we treat people as good as we can, and some of the best centers are in Canada, out around the corner on University Avenue, get people into the cath lab, give them the stents, give them the drugs, and send them home, often with the false idea that you're fixed now. Uh, we got this very uncomfortable fact that uh, you know one in four to one in five of people followed up who take all the right medications, statins, aspirin, uh, and so forth, still have a recurrent cardiovascular event. And this is, as we know, is a very deadly situation because as often, depending on what research you quote, as many as one in three present as their first symptom of cardiac disease, a sudden death. So this is a vicious, nasty disease, as many people here have been touched by. If, 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 you're a, if your coronary stenosis or your risk for rupture whistled as it got more narrowed or gave you some kind of a warning sign, maybe heart disease wouldn't be as dangerous, but this son of a gun is often no sign, and it kills very young people as well. Um, I'm not a research person. I don't have a strong academic background. I, I passed medical school. <laughs> so, so, so really, well, you know what they call the guy who graduated last, right? A doctor, you know, so, anyway, so, I didn't graduate last, I'd like to let you know, second last, but not really. So, so what we're trying to build up, of course, is, is developing this passion that we, we have gotten to this realization of the importance of looking at what we eat to affect our outcomes. So it is a bit of a passion project, as you can feel from a lot of the presenters so far, is that we want to show the science, but we also sort of really feel in our hearts, as used upon where we need to be, which is obviously meds are not going to make us healthy. 
So we want to we want to obviously advance the science in order to be able to better inform the policymakers. And also, in my case, try not to get too upset about all the lobby effects and so forth. So I'm up here trying to not use any vulgarity because I'm a Newfoundlander and it de-stresses me, but I haven't dropped the F-bomb yet. <laughs> so I think what the studies do show so far, from my grab of it, is that it may not be able to identify the most perfect healthy diet, although they can in small studies. And my colleagues in cardiology say, oh yeah, Shane, those results are impressive, but they're only in 18 patients. They're only in 200 patients. It's not like our 20,000 patient studies that show stent and save lives. Okay, but what it does show that if you veer away from a whole food plant-based diet with no added oil, which again we hold up as a gold standard in our hearts, yet to be largely proven by big randomized controlled trials that we can throw around at cardiac uh, um, conferences, is that if you veer away from that, you run into trouble. So, um, you know, if you add increased red meat, and do the reverse, you get trouble. If you increase high fat, which is now all the big trend on Google, yes, you reduce weight, uh, people sometimes will improve some markers, and then they die sooner, which is an important absence in some of the media. <laughs> Recently, my friends uh, Shoba and Arjun were, were interviewed by CBC Radio, and they sort of put the high fat, low carb diet as, and now we hear the, you know, the alternative side of the story, but they fail to forget that the stuff will kill you. Uh, I stumbled across this realization that they didn't teach me all the right things in medical school by uh, being on Amazon one night, making Jeff Bezos a little more rich, I came across the China study book and then dug into that research a bit more um, and realized that, wow, this, this information that less animal products and more plant-based products will reduce chronic disease has really shown up all through history, and uh, certainly in the past 50 to 40 to 30 years, it's quite strong. And when, luckily now, with this renewed interest in this area and awareness, I think largely started out by the work of Colin Campbell to bring it more mainstream, which again, you know, like, <laughs> the reality is having really smart people in research institutions find out this information is critical. But you also got to get people to get it to the general public. And maybe sometimes, I know we argue about what's the best way to get the message out, sometimes you may need to shock people, you know, and you may need to get a bit controversial because you're dealing with a very, very powerful lobby of beef and dairy, and these lobbies have a huge, huge budget. So us just producing studies without looking at how we're going to get this information out is, is, I think is a really important issue. So I'm really excited that we're starting these Canadian-based, plant-based uh, conferences. And again, thanks for the invite. Uh, that's basically what the China study showed, although this is in different countries, showing that, again, try to avoid anything with a, with a face or a mother. <laughs> and and, and as, as Dr. Esselstyn points out, some very interesting historical data that who would have thought that you know, Nazi Germany was good for public health? <laughs> well, when they invaded Norway and took over a lot of the animal-based products, the rates of cardiac disease and sudden death went down. Now, we all know from other data that increased stress increases cardiac disease, and being occupied by Nazi Germany is probably like, not like going to Club Med. <laughs> so just look at this value. So a lot of signals down through history that point towards uh, that this is a significant issue. The nurse's health study and the uh, doctor's health study has been a treasure trove of information for us. Maybe the information that this provided was nearly as important as what the work that nurses and doctors do every day. 
And from, from various types of analysis, we, we see what are risk factors for, for dying. One thing is getting older, so if you can stop from getting older, that would definitely be beneficial. And the other thing is the number of uh, sugar units in your diet, which again tend to link with the amount of processed food, as, as Subas mentioned. And the amount of increased fiber in the diet uh, is critically important to actually reduce your risk of death. So uh, these numbers are, are significant, and these are in, uh, I don't remember how many participants, over 50,000 participants. So again, the message is, is the more sugar, added sugar in your diet, the higher rate of cardiovascular mortality. And sorry I had to run through a lot of these because I was too uh, loose with the slides. Another really important information that was also mentioned by Dr. Ganguly, again, is the information we have out of Loma Linda and the uh, Seven-Day Adventist group. Don't want to make this religious, but the Seven-Day Adventist group, again, is as part of their belief is generally to stay away from animal-based products. And the registries that these, uh, that these uh, information things then give us on the prediction of, of what will happen has been tremendously valuable. Basically here, in terms of risk ratio, if the more close you get to a completely plant-based diet, including taking dairy and fish out of your diet, yes, people say, Newfoundlander, you don't support fish. Well, we've got to look at the data. And a diet free of animal products basically reduces the risk of hypertension by 70, potentially by 75%. And hypertension is one of the number one reasons people see a doctor, one of the number one reasons people take medications and ultimately cost the system money and the strokes and early deaths will obviously cost people's uh, uh, you know, quality of life and life itself. So this is tremendously uh, powerful data, again showing in the ability to reduce all-cause mortality um, and cardiovascular disease by, by vegetarian dietary patterns. The same goes for blood pressure uh, reduction. Actually, I totally re, uh, revamped my idea of blood pressure. I know sodium has been shown to be a factor that drive up blood pressure, excessive sodium intake. As does smoking increases it, alcohol in the short term may reduce but ultimately lead to an increase in incidence of hypertension. I think it's due to an autonomic uh, sort of toxicity in the body. But I see now, really, uh, in my practice from one observation, which is hard to sort of make any major conclusions because they're not clinical trials, they're just observation that I see blood pressure as much the same as diabetes, which I think is a fat toxicity more than anything else, and that the sugar elevation in diabetes is a marker, a secondary consequence related to, you get somebody on a low-fat diet, and many of these problems go away. The number, the amount of money spent here, this is US data from 2007, the Medicare budget, um, uh, you know, $433 billion. 58% uh, of that budget in the United States back then was related to hypertension. So if you extrapolate the data here, saying you can reduce the incidence by 25%, the amount of money that you can spend, that you could save, is obscene. Because the more recent data is for 2020 estimated that the, how's that for a research budget, Dr. Jenkins? Nearly, and, and of course, as to quote our friend Donald Trump, nobody even knows what a trillion is. <laughs> Well, it's getting very close to that number that even Donald Trump can't understand. Anyway, so, so if you could take the amount of money that actually is spent on hypertension, uh, basically, and reduce it by 75%, you could cut the Medicare budget just on hypertension alone by one quarter. So, you know, if we could run a $5 million clinical trial with very intensive support for patients, I think it uh, would be literally a drop in the bucket to show that this is... Uh, 
that this is the way to go. So that's the research we need to have. Uh, more, more studies here, um, again, proving that, okay, can you tell me exactly the healthy diet? Well, scientifically, based on the randomized controlled trials and the size of them, I still got a lot of cardiologists who I think are justifiably doubtful, saying, yes, Esselstyn did an amazing job, Ornish did an amazing job, but they're small patient studies, and they want big studies. Again, I may not be able to tell you the perfect diet, but I can tell you when you deep fry everything in a su southern eating pattern, you're going to increase your death quite significantly. So it's, it's, it's like when somebody comes to me and, with a chest pain, and the question is, well, doc, can you, can you tell me it's not hard? Can you tell me what it is? It's harder to do clinically to tell somebody what it is than to tell them what it's not. So if we do the appropriate testing, we can say with a lower chance that the chest pain is probably not cardiac. Maybe it's related to heartburn. But it's very difficult to outline exactly the, the direction to go, but it's much easier to outline the direction not to go. It's much like a philosophy about running a business or a marriage. Sometimes it's hard to make it better, but it's really easy to make it worse. <laughs> um, Kim Williams, the ex-president ex of the ACC, no relation, he's from Chicago. Uh, he calls it, maybe we shouldn't call it coronary disease, maybe we should call it culinary disease, which I thought was, was, was interesting. The other big trend, of course, is this low-carb, high-protein diet, which is killing people early. And showing that, again, these eating patterns, because, of course, with the macronutrients, and keep in mind, all your total calories is a circle. So when you drop your carbohydrate, which in a healthiest diet, is about 80% carbohydrate, mostly unprocessed carbs. Inevitably, the protein and fat component has to come up to make sure for the calories. And it shows that it'll kill you 22% faster as compared to uh, a, you know, a, a regular dietary pattern. And some of these numbers are compared to a standard American diet. So if, seriously, if your diet is more dangerous than a standard American diet, <laughs> you probably should be eating a diet of, a diet of like styrofoam or something. <laughs> Same thing in, in bigger studies showing that people with pre-existing coronary disease, the low-fat or the high-fat diet is even more dangerous, so driving up all-cause mortality um, by nearly 50, over 50%. Red meat consumption, red meat's not doing so well today on the, on the, uh, on the uh, you know, response in terms of we know and the data is, is definitely clear that this stuff will increase your risk. If you swap out red meat for plant-based proteins, even small amounts, you get dose response curves that actually reduce risk of death. A little bit of a delay in the response there. Okay. okay. And this is, again, what we like to see in science is that if you smoke five cigarettes, you die at a certain rate. We'd like to see, although this sounds sadistic, if you smoke 20 cigarettes, we can show that you'll die even quicker. So we like to see the dose response curve to confirm that these numbers are just not a, a spurious result and a, and a statistical error. If you uh, switch out, as I mentioned, um, let me just remind myself now, this is, a, this, is a, uh, this is from the nurses' health study as well, over 100,000 participants uh, determining what the hazard ratios for all cause and specific cause mortality. And again, a high protein intake, positively associated mortality, especially when that protein comes from processed red meat. And, uh, and when you substitute your plant proteins for the red meat, the mortality goes the opposite way. This is tremendously powerful data in over 100,000 patients, again showing that things with a mother or a face will increase your risk of death.
Well, that concludes part one of Dr. Williams' talk. We thank Dr. Williams for his fascinating talk. It is very refreshing to see a doctor speak with such conviction and boldness and standing up for truth, even in the face of what is conventional. We encourage you to share what you have learned today so that we can help more people prevent heart disease. Check in soon for part two of Dr. Williams' talk and for more fascinating talks from the Canadian Plant-Based Nutrition Conference. We would like to express our gratitude to the speakers and to the chair of the conference, Dr. Zara Kassan, for permitting Pathways to upload these talks so that our listeners can be blessed. In return, we encourage all of our listeners to share this information with their family, friends, and loved ones. To watch video versions of these talks, please go to the official website of Plant-Based Canada. Their website is www.plantbasedcanada.org. This podcast is brought to you by Pathways to Wholeness Lifestyle Medicine, a group of clinics based in Toronto, Canada, with a special focus on lifestyle medicine. To learn more, you can go to www.pathwaystoholeness.ca. To stay up to date, remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also listen directly online, on the website, or on YouTube. Thank you again for tuning in, and remember, your lifestyle is medicine.